on, shout amen in the house. Come on, high five someone around you and say, man, I love my church. I love my church. I love what God is doing in my church. So stepping stones or stumbling blocks, we started this the first week of May. And we're really believing for this to be a great series for you. Realizing that the opportunities of life that you have can either be a stepping stone or a stumbling block. Today I want to begin by reading a scripture from Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. And it says, You can enter God's kingdom only by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate And difficult is the way. Say with me, difficult is the way. Come on, say it one more time. And difficult is the way. Difficult is the way and only that leads to life. That's the most important part, sorry. And there are only a few who find it. The walk of Christ, the walk of Christianity is a difficult path. I said it's a difficult path. The Bible tells us this, but it's a path that's taken us somewhere in life. A lot of times we read that we go through the narrow gate, so we think it's a narrow path. The Bible doesn't say it's a narrow path. The Bible says it's a narrow gate into the life of God. But I don't believe it's a narrow life. That's where I believe most Christians are living, a narrow life. But I believe a narrow, restricted, and limited life goes completely against everything that God came to give each and every one of us. We see it in John 10.10, don't have the scripture, but he came to give us life, but he said, I want to give you an abundance of life. Not just breathing and living, but an abundance, a fullness of life. Not a narrow, restricted, limited life. But he desires for us to live in a wide open, spacious life, but yet it's still a difficult path. I said it's still a difficult path at times. I love this scripture, 2 Corinthians 6, 11 from the Message Bible. Dear, dear Corinthians, I cannot tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness that you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small. Come on, you've got to get a hold of that today. Your life isn't small. Your future isn't small. Your future is great and big with God. If you could just step into that and stop tripping over it and realize that God has that for you to step up into. Paul says, but you're living in a small way. I am speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your life. It's time to live openly and expansively. So life is difficult. Things that are thrown at our life give us an option in life. Are we going to trip over them and fall? Or are we going to step up onto those things and use them to elevate us into everything that God has? Stepping stones and stumbling blocks are really the same thing. But what changes them is our response to it. I can trip over this or I can step on it. It's a difficult life sometimes and it can be rough. You can trip over that and be angry and upset at God or you can step up over those things And realize that God is with us 
even through the toughest and most difficult life. You see, we need a different response to our lives. Yeah, I've counseled people and the problem is this. They want a different marriage where the problem is not their marriage. It's their response to their spouse. It's what they're dealing with. Many of us are praying, God, I, I want different. Come on, I, I want a new marriage. I, I need a new job. No, you probably just need an attitude adjustment <laughs> to the job that you have. I'm tired of hearing Christians say, well, man, I'm the only Christian at my work. Praise God, light in darkness. You are strategically placed to make a difference. Stop allowing that to be a stumbling block and man, step up. Step up into that. Man, if only I had different parents. Come on, we've all said that. I said, we've all said that. The problem's not our parents. The problem's our stinking attitude. And our response and our life. You see, stepping stones and stumbling blocks, they require the proper and the right response. So today what I want to talk about is, I want to talk about how to navigate your life through the difficult paths that you're going to face. It's almost a spillover or an overflow from last month where we talked about how do I face struggles in my life and how do I face suffering? Why does God allow those? But what I want to talk about today is you've got to be faithful in the process. Come on, say that with me, the process. The process. Some people stand up and say, give your life to Jesus and you'll never have another problem. Liars. I said, liars, you're going to still have problems because it's a difficult life. But you've got something greater, and I'm not going to give it away, but you've got something greater, and we're going to discover what that is through the message. But today, you can't quit, and you can't give up, but you've got to keep on going. You've got to keep on going. When you get knocked down, you've got to get straight back up again. And you've got to keep going and say, hold on a second, devil. I know what you're trying to do, but I see that God can also use this for a purpose. And notice the purpose is to build my life. Come on, uh, my life is built. I'm I'm higher, I'm above my situations when I choose to step onto them. Don't let them be a stumbling block when God says they're a stepping stone. So today what we're going to do is we're actually going to ask questions. Our points today are going to be questions. We're going to look at how we can navigate through the difficult times of life By asking questions. The first question is this. What does God promise us? What does God promise us? Does God promise us no pain and no suffering? No. Does God promise us smooth sailing through life? Come on, does God promise us a storm-free life? No. Does God promise us that we'll never have any problems or we'll never have concerns? No, no, no. And why doesn't He promise us that? Because He gives us something better. And here's what he gives us. Here's the answer. He gives us companionship for the journey. He will never leave us. I love what Kara said today. You may feel like you're in a dark place, but look again because you're under the shadow of the Almighty. That God is leading you and God is guiding your life. Hebrews 13 verse 5. What does it say at the end? For he himself has said from his mouth, I will never leave you And I will never forsake me. Let me say it this way. If you're taking notes, you can follow on you version, remember. Look at this statement. You have got to recognize and acknowledge the process of pain. 
And you've got to learn to cooperate with the answer rather than remaining a victim to the problem. There are so many people that aren't finding the answer because they're still living in the problem. Come on, come on, I could preach today. I'm preaching better than you responded. There's too many people who are a victim to the problem instead of realizing the answer that they have, and that's Jesus. Oh, there may be storms and there may still be troubles, but look again, who's in the boat with you? Jesus is right there with you. So when we put our problem before the answer, guess what happens? Many times we don't get to the answer. So we get hung up in the problem. We stumble all over it and we fall. And we never step up into the answer. Oh, when we have the answer, there may still be problems, but we're working through them. Amen? Because He's there with us. God's not there passively. God wants to be there actively, working and doing and helping and being the strength that you need. But you see, so many times we mess up from the beginning. We allow ourselves to have a victim mentality. Oh, this always happens to me. I always get the longest line at the grocery store. This is the story of my... Can I help you today? If you don't like the story of your life, change the theme of your life. Come on now. You don't like the story, change the theme because that changes everything. Too many have a victim mentality instead of a victor's mentality. So here's the next question. Are you ready? What's your mentality today? How are you living? As a victim? Or are you living as a victor? The answer today is this. God wants you to have a victorious mindset. God wants you to realize that you're an overcomer. God wants you to realize that you're the head and not the tail, that you're above and not beneath. God wants you to see the promises. But that can sometimes be tough when we have a really bad day. You ever really had a bad day? I mean, come on, we're not just talking about a little headache. Have you ever really had a horrifically bad day? You know that type of day that you just want to go to bed early and you want to close your eyes and you just want to go to sleep? Anyone ever had a day like that? And you're just like crying out to God saying, help me to sleep because I've got to wake up tomorrow and there's hope for a new day. I can't handle this day any longer. We've all been there. But yet we try to live our lives always believing for the best. But even though we believe and hope for the best, it doesn't mean we're still not going to have to face some bad days in our life. But listen to me, when we're believing for the best, we're already at an advantage. I say we're already ahead of the curve. We're already living the life. Come on, I'm sure every one of us could compare our bad days, couldn't we? Remember that call in the middle of the night? No one ever calls in the middle of the night with good news. I said it's not good news when a call comes in the middle of the night. Remember that routine doctor's checkup you went to and it ended up being anything else apart from routine? Maybe you get that call from the police. They've arrested your teenager child. Maybe you had a conversation with the boss and you're like, wow, they're going to promote me. And he says, sorry, Clearing out your desk. We, we, we don't need you anymore. Blindsided by it. Didn't see it coming. Maybe there was a knock on the door and you open it and there was a court summons that you need to be in court. An eviction notice. You need to get out. Here's how I try to live my life. I try to live my life every day 
with an expectation for the best. I really do. I wake up every day expecting the best. I I believe expectancy is the breeding ground of miracles. I believe it's good to be there. Have I had rough days? Are there tough days? Yeah, but I'm still expecting the best in life. I'm not going to wake up defeated because if I wake up defeated, it's not going to get much better throughout the day. Amen. So, so I want to wake up high. I want to wake up good. That's why I begin my day with prayer because sometimes I have to have an attitude adjustment and I have to get God just to get alive inside of me and, I, and I've got to change some things inside of me because I've got to see good. And why is that important? Because Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. You set the course of your life by the mindsets, the thoughts that you have. So I want to set the right course for the day. Even setting the right course, I may may still end up with some detours. That day may still hold rough things. But I really believe now I'm prepared and I'm ready. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, you've got to be sober, you've got to be vigilant. You've got to be expectant and ready for the best. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, he's walking around like a roaring lion. Big difference. He's not a roaring lion. He's like a roaring lion. Appearance is everything to him. He wants to act bad and be bad where he ain't bad. The reason why he's roaring is because he's not a biting lion because Jesus kicked out his teeth on the cross of Calvary. Come on now. Come on, said you, you can't do that no more. But what is he doing? He is seeking whom he may devour. There's so many of you, and I've seen you. You're living your life paralyzed and terrified that what about the next corner? The devil's going to jump out and freak you out. (gasps) So you're like going through life like this. Oh, I can't answer that phone call. Well, what if it's bad news? Oh, I can't do this. That's how many of us live. We live our day expecting or looking for the devil, trying to avoid being shocked, spooked or surprised. I I, I hate being scared. I I, I mean, I hate being scared. Maybe you like scary movies and stuff like that. I I see no fun in watching something that's going to freak me out. I really don't. I don't like it when people jump out at me and go, surprise. I'm like, boom, you know, come on. (laughs) Surprise back at you, huh? I I don't like stuff like that. huh? But if we don't watch, listen to me, if we don't watch, we can be living, anticipating the worst instead of expecting the best. Come on, are you anticipating the worst? Or are you expecting the best for your life. You see, the devil's going to attack me at some time, maybe today, maybe tomorrow. I don't know. He's going to attack me. But how do I live my life? I don't live terrified and afraid. Come on, I live prayed up. I live worded up. I live churched up. I live right-friended up. Come on, I feel myself because I'm living prepared. So when he comes, I'm ready. That's what you've got to do. In your life. And how do we do that? You've got to have the right mentality. You've got to see yourself as who you are in Christ. You're an overcomer in Christ Jesus. Come on, you've got to prepare for those moments. Don't build your life on those moments. Question number three. You're still with me today? So what do I need in my life? What do I need in my life? The answer is this. You need a heavenly father. You need Jesus. You need a best friend that will never leave you and never forsake you. 
But what I need to be reminded is this. I need to know that He is with me. Come on. I need to know that God is with me. I need to know that through the rough times, He wants to use those things to promote my life, not for me to fall flat on my face. He wants me to succeed in life. He doesn't want me to be knocked down. Psalms 118 verse 6, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You may say, well, they could do an awful lot, Pastor. Man could do an awful lot, Pastor. But that's because our focus is wrong. Our focus is on man instead of the God who can help us and strengthen us. Come on, don't look at the wrong thing. Don't look to man. Look to God. What do I need in life? I need to look to God. Why do I need to look to God? You know I'm going to get this in here somewhere. Ephesians 3.20, it's not on the screen. Because God is able to do infinitely more than you could ever imagine or ever dream in your wildest dreams. Come on. But how does He do it? Through the process. Through the process. We naturally like to plan our lives to avoid suffering at any cost. Don't we? I mean, come on. We don't like when we go to the mall, we want the closest parking space because we don't want to suffer to have to walk. You know, we can say, man, I can't believe God didn't give me a parking space closer. And God may say, well, I can't believe you need to get out and exercise. I'm helping you. Come on. You may see it as a stumbling block. God says it's a stepping stone. It's a stepping stone. Man, that wasn't even my notes. That was just a bonus right there. But naturally, we plan our lives, don't we? To try and avoid suffering. And it's not wrong, is it? I, I, I don't want to suffer. And it's not wrong to plan our lives to try to avoid that. But I'm telling you right now, it's impossible to stay away from trouble. I said it's impossible to steer completely away from suffering. No matter how hard I try, it's impossible to do. So no matter how much I plan and prepare and I work it out, Here's what I've got to watch. I've got to watch I don't get the wrong end. And what I mean by that is this. When it's a difficult path, and I'm giving my life to Christ, and things are hard still, I can get upset. I can look at the wrong end, and I can say, well, God, you don't love me. You don't care for me. But that's a lie, because it's not true. And I've got to know the truth, and that is this. I've got to know that God does love me. He's my heavenly Father. And He wants to take care of me. When we face temptation, we face pain, we face disappointment. Don't blame God. Keep your eyes on Jesus. I said keep your eyes on Jesus. Follow His example. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't take a detour around the most painful, horrific time of His life. Luke 22, 42. Father... This was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed these prayers. If it's your will, take this cup away from me. The cup he was speaking about was the cup of suffering. That he knew he was then going to have to drink that cup, figuratively speaking of suffering, as he would have to die upon a cross. He said, God, if there's another way, then I'm willing to go that way. But, 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 if that's the only way, nevertheless, my will... Come on, not be done. But God, your will be done. Knowing that would cost him his life, he willingly did it for you and I. He became our sacrifice. He took our place. And sometimes in life, we're going to have to follow him through that pain. 
We're going to have to confront those things. Come on, we're going to have to stand up to those things. I said we're going to have to overcome those things and face those things and know what? That I've got someone who has my back. And that's a God. You've got to understand that there's a process of pain. Let me give you a history lesson. You ready? Captain James Cook, considered to be the person who discovered Australia. In 1770, he sailed into a beautiful bay that he would call Botany Bay. It was where they found so many incredible plants and they found so much things that they, they, they were blown away with the beauty and, and just everything that they found. But they didn't know about in all the beauty there, there was also an extreme danger. And that danger was called the Great Barrier Reef. It's 1,200 miles of beautiful but yet jagged coral. So here's Captain James Cook with his ship, a wooden ship, the Endeavour, with jagged coral, not a good combination, and they end up finding themselves caught on the reef. They were in a perilous situation and they were about to die until, until certain crew members begin to throw things overboard. They said, man, we've got to lighten the ship. We've got to get rid of this excess weight. They threw everything and anything they could get their hands on. They threw all their food. They threw their tools, the tackle. They threw everything that they could, even the cannons that they would rely on for protection of those days. They tossed it all overboard in order to survive. And as story goes and history goes, their ship eventually became light enough to float above the reef and continue on to freedom. You know now today, they have labeled that particular spot. It's called Cape Tribulation. Cape Tribulation. So here's my next question to you. I wonder what your Cape Tribulation is right now. I wonder what you're stuck on right now. I wonder what you're facing right now in your life. And the answer is this. We all have different situations. But really, that's not the answer. That's just the observance of the problems that we have. Because the answer isn't, well, I've got this and this. That's not my answer. There's still an answer that we're going to discover. But a tribulation, a trial, a hardship in life is something that we've got to learn to be able to see through and not just see it. The giants want to stand in our path. Why? Because they want to block our future. But we've got to begin to see through those things. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 says, To everything there is a season. There is a time for every purpose under heaven. In that verse I see three words. Season, time, and purpose. There is a season, there is a time, and there is a purpose. And as much as I don't understand it or like it, that word in there also everything means to everything there is a season. Everything means the painful, the unexpected, the disappointing, the frightening, the challenging moments. Just as well as the joyful, the predictable, the exciting, the reassuring and the comfortable ones. Everything. Say with me, everything. Everything. But here's our problem. Are you ready? We get stuck in our pain. The greatest problem we face is we get stuck in our pain. That Cape Tribulation. 
we say, this is it. It's over. Come on, that moment when you can't seem to find the strength to get back on your feet to continue the journey. Why? Because it's a difficult path. I said it's a difficult path at times. But it's a path that keeps on going. I said it doesn't dead end at Cape Tribulation. It doesn't dead end at the bad doctor's report. It doesn't dead end at the fact that you've lost your job. Oh, it can, but it's not. It's a pathway that keeps on going through. I said it's a pathway that keeps on going through. You can't stop just because you're in pain. If you haven't arrived where you think and believe you need to get to, you're never going to get there if you stop. Well, well, my kids ain't saved. Well, you're never going to see that if you give up on them and stop praying. Well, I'm not seeing any results. Well, is that going to help you get to your result? Come on right now. Come on, help me out. If you give up on something and quit, you're never going to get to it. So if you're not where you want to be and there's still struggles and adversities, you haven't got the breakthroughs and the miracles yet, you've got to keep on going. Do I have any runners in here? Do I have any runners in here? You know what it's like to run? You, you can run and you can get a stitch in your side. You can get a cramp. We call it a stitch. I don't know what you call it. It's that, that pain that is like someone shot you in the side. And you're trying to run and you're... Come on now. You, you know what it is to get that stitch in your side. And you're trying to run and you're bent over. You know the worst thing that you can do when you get that? Is to stop. Because the way you overcome that is you've got to stand up and you've got to, you, you, you've got to run through that. And you've got to push. And you've got to keep on pushing. And when you keep on pushing, man, you find a release begins to come. And then, and, and then you're back going again. Come on, you've got to watch because the troubles we face in life, they are sent for this purpose. That we will stop and miss out what God wants to do in your life. Come on, what God wants to do in your life. What have we got to be reminded of? Here it is. Suffering in itself is not from God. God doesn't cause suffering, but He takes suffering. I said He can use the suffering of our lives. We've got a verse for that. Remember Romans 8 verse 28. And we know that all things, Work together for the good of those who love God and those who are called according to His purpose. Even the greatest tribulations can be a place of great victory. Why? Because God never wastes a pain. I said nothing is ever wasted in God. God never wastes a pain. Maybe we've got to lighten our load if we want to keep sailing. But one thing I've realized is this, sometimes through the tribulations, sometimes through the trials, that's the best opportunities for us to begin to lighten our load because we begin to realize there's some friends that don't need to go with me where I need to go. There's some mindsets that don't need to come with me where I'm going. You see, tribulations have that point where they can help us do some soul searching and realizing, hold on a second, I'm going to use this thing and step up in it. I'm going to lighten my load so I can... Go above the circumstances and the situation. Hebrews 12 verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Come on, look around you. We're surrounded. But this isn't the witnesses he's talking about. It's those in heaven who have gone on. They're cheering us on. Come on, it's like we're in the arena of life and we're running around and they're in the stands going, come on, you can make it. Samson's there saying, come on, you can make it. David's there. Ruth is there. Naomi is there. Esther's there. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Rakshak, and Benny. They're there. They're the witnesses. They are cheering us on. But notice what the Bible says. It's time to lay aside every weight and the sin. Not just get rid of sin, but get rid of weight. So you can, that will so easily ensnare us, that you can run with endurance the race that is set before you. You know, a lot of us are carrying weights that are potential sins. They are sin in potential. They may be harmful right now, but we know that we're getting close to the edge, and the edge becomes a sin. You've got to lay aside those weights as well as those sins. The Bible says you've got to, come on, stay away from even the appearance of evil. What the Bible says. But listen to me today. Despite how painful your circumstances may be, no matter how difficult life's paths may seem, you will never be destroyed. I said, you will never be destroyed. Life's full of choices, yes. And you can choose to collaborate with the words of death and sickness. The Bible says that there's death in the power of the tongue. You can choose to believe those things and you can choose to speak those things or you can choose to live above those things. I said you can live above those things. Are they going to be a stepping stone or are they going to be a stumbling block? Well, pastor, the anguish I have is real. Of course it's real. Yes, it's real. But there's something more powerful and more potent and more encompassing than any lost crisis or any trauma that you will face in your life. And that is this. You can encounter and experience the love of a heavenly father. God's love. God's love. That's the answer. When I'm going through those struggles and tribulations, what do I need? I need to know God's love. I need to know that God loves me. That God loves me. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to what? Separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Come hell or hell water. No matter what is thrown my way, I don't have to be separated from the love of God. I can separate myself from God's love. But I don't have to. No matter how difficult it gets, don't let go. Don't quit. Let nothing separate you from God's love. When the enemy comes and tells you, come on, God doesn't love you. Remember, if the enemy's lying, his lips are moving. He's only telling you something because he's trying to rob you from the truth. Think about this illustration. If you were mugged, if you were robbed, and you were beaten... And you were left on the street with nothing. How many robbers would return to that same person and rob them again? They've already taken everything from them. I said they've already taken everything from them. So if the enemy is attacking you, it's not because you don't have anything. It's because you have something that he's trying to take from you. Come on now. You've got to wise up and realize who you are. You're a child of God. And if the enemy's attacking you, it's because you've got something that he wants to steal. Nothing can separate us from God's presence and love. That's what the Bible says. But in order to recover and to heal and to grow strong, we've got to understand that. Here it is again, the process of the pain. While we wish these things could go away, most burdens don't just dis- disappear the next morning. 
It's an ongoing process. It's not a one-time event or a moment. I said this earlier. Look at this again. So often we want to progress out of our challenge without having to embrace the process. Just get me out of here. Get me out now. I'm done. God says we haven't finished yet. We haven't finished yet. But trust me, you're going to like the finished product a whole lot more than what will happen if I take you out of this thing. Because God is saying, I'm not helping you by freeing you. I'm not helping you by delivering you. I am your deliverance and I am your freedom. And I'm there with you and I haven't finished yet. Why? Because God sees the big picture of life. We see the pain. We want the breakthroughs and the miracles. We want the results right now. God says, weeping may endure for the night. But joy is coming in the morning. Because when we escape the pain prematurely, all we're doing is this. We're delaying the inevitable. And often at a greater expense, there's going to be more pain. And there's going to be more suffering if we escape it instead of coming through it. Look again at Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1. To everything there is a season. There's a time for every purpose under heaven. Let me break that down really quickly. To everything there is a season. Every season has a purpose. I said that every season of your life has a purpose. But then here's the second thought. There's a process for that purpose to be worked out. So every, what? Every season has a purpose, but then there's a process still for that purpose to be worked out. Question number five, what season, what purpose are you in? For every one of us, it's different. For every one of us, there's different seasons we're in. Maybe some of you, your kids are graduating off to college. It's going to be a different season for you. Maybe your kids are getting ready to start school. It's a different season for you. Maybe you're just getting ready to be married. You're pregnant. You're going to have a baby. There's so many different things. It's different seasons that when you're starting a new job, there's a new season for you. What season are you in? We often feel that no good thing or purpose can come from any trials of life. But it's amazing how God can use anything and everything to take us forward and actually make us a better person. We've got to embrace the process. Embracing the process doesn't mean wallowing in self-pity or relying on our own efforts to get us through. Because whatever season you're in, here's your answer. You need God and you need others to help you through. Genesis 2 verse 18. Man is in perfection. He is in the Garden of Eden. Everything is perfect and beautiful. But no matter where man looked, there was something that was still missing. And God said these words, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So now we have a savior, but then we also need a helper. There's power in community. There's power in being around people. That's why we have groups. Listen to me. That's, that's why we're pushing this. And that's why we want you to sign up today. Because during the seasons of your life, you need some people in that season with you. You need some people to help you through that. Because one thing you're going to discover when you get in groups is you too, you're going to find out there's a whole lot more imperfect people just like you. Come on, sign up for our group and you'll realize there's one lead in the group. Come on, that's me. I'm imperfect like everyone else. I'm a work in progress like everyone else. But I'm telling you, thank God he's the only one that can save us. He's our salvation. But something happens when we are in community and we can help each other. Here's the last question today. You ready? Who is in your season with you? What season are you in? But now who is in that season with you? 
The Bible has many examples of how difficult life can be and the process of pain. But in the book of Psalms, which is actually the biggest book in the Bible, it's a collection of songs and poems, many written by David, the shepherd boy who became the king. God's hand-picked choice, his man. But yet we still read in many of his Psalms, through his beautiful words, some reflect the sheer joy and wonder and the experience with God, but many of them also reflect his anger, his pain and grief, and even his fears. One example is Psalms 142. Look at it, verse 1 and 2. I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. Then he goes on and lists his problems. He gives God his laundry list like we do. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, he's overwhelmed. They knew my path in the way which I walked. They have secretly set a snare for me. People are attacking me. They're coming against me. I'm looking on my right hand to see, for there was no one who acknowledged me. Where, where are those people that were supposed to be there helping me? Where is my refuge? It's failed me. I, I'm struggling. No one cares for my soul. Anyone feel like you're living in verse 3 and 4? Come on, everyone's getting to him. Everyone's out to get him. But I love David. He concludes his psalm by reminding himself of what we need to know to be true. Who's in your season with you? Here's he. He said, I cried out to you, O Lord, and I said, you are my refuge. Come on, you are my refuge. You are my portion in the land of the living. It's okay, come on, to cry out to God in your pain. I said it's okay to cry out to God in your pain. But here's what you've got to remind yourself. In your pain, you've got to remind yourself of what you know to be true. Even if it doesn't feel like it at times, you've got to remind yourself, God is with me. He's my support and he is my refuge. He's my stepping stone above every struggle I will ever face. Let's jump to the last verse and I'm almost done. Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me for you shall deal bountifully with me. Notice what David has done. He has surrounded himself with the right people. God, you're my refuge, but the righteous are surrounding me. A psalm that starts with a cry ends with a praise. Why? Because David looked at his life and says, you know what? The troubles and trials are real. They sure are. But there's something that's realer. I know that's not a real word, but it is for this message. And that's God. And I'm going to cry out to God because he's still my refuge. I'm going to surround myself with the right people so now I can give praise and I can give glory and honor to God. Brian Houston said this quote. He said, what you focus on in life determines whether or not you will experience peace in your heart. Proverbs 12, 25, worry weighs a person down, but an encouraging word. Come on. What cheers a person up? Focus on what you have control over and what you don't. Trust God. Trust God. Because he is able to do infinitely more than you could ever imagine. One last scripture, Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which goes beyond your understanding, it will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Bow your heads all over this place. 
Yes, there can be difficult paths and difficult times. But what have you got to know? God is with you. Come on, what does God promise you? I'll never leave you. What has got to be my response and mentality? I've got to be a victor, not a victim. What do I need in my life? I need a heavenly father. Through my struggle and my tribulation, what do I need to know? The love of God. What season am I in? And who is in that season with me? Questions that must have the proper answers. Because if you don't have the right answers to those questions, those questions are going to cause your life to stumble and you're going to fall. Instead of having the right answers, we'll place you where God wants you to be. So every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Yes, it's a difficult path. But it's the way of life. I said it's the way of life. The way of life. Choose right today. Believe God today. Trust God today.